Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Welcome, friends, uh, on Zoom and here in person, and uh, we're just really glad you're here. Glad to be together as a church on this journey towards Jesus. I'm Bill White. I'm one of the co-pastors of City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And we're just, you know, it's kind of a cold day, and I saw a couple of folks on Zoom already sitting home. One of them was looking up at the mountains covered in snow from where they live, which is like, wow, wild, right? Um, but uh, it's just, really nice to be with you. So uh, we like to bless our kids. We think kids are awesome. And so before we send our kids out, Charmaine is going to pray over them. So if you would welcome Charmaine with me as she sets down her bag of tricks. <laughs> oh, let's pray. Dear God, thanks so much for our kids. Um, may they just know how much you love them and bless their time in kidsmen, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thanks so much, Charmaine. And then our fearless other co-pastor, Brenna Rubio. <laughs> she hey. loves it when I do that. Yeah, yeah, I love attention. That's, she always asks me, hey, can you kind of do a big? Really make it big. Yeah. Hey, really quickly, just to add on, there's youth group today. Oh, and so if any of that. our middle and high schoolers would like to come out as well to hang out with Amy, um, you are welcome to come and do that as well. With, course, and they have donuts that they wouldn't share earlier. Shh, don't tell the younger oh. kids what they're missing. Oh, shoot. Sorry, just Oops. kidding. I wasn't supposed to say that. Well, no, no. Not, not the first thing I've said I wasn't supposed to, so. <laughs> oh, no, it's so good to be here with you guys this morning. Um, we had a little gathering on Wednesday night where we were kicking off the season of Lent with some people over at Bill's house on for Ash Wednesday on Wednesday night. And in preparation for that, we did a little poll. We did a little poll on Instagram and we were just asking people like, how big of a deal is Lent to you? Do we even know what Lent is? And the, the stats, were pretty revealing, you know, that there was kind of like, there was a solid maybe 20% or so that were just like, no, what are you talking about? Lent, no. And then there was a middle, maybe like 40 to 50%. They're kind of like, eh, right? You, you have a general idea what it is. And then there was the small percentage, you know, who were saying, yes, yes, I love Lent. And so it's an interesting thing because I'm actually, I get it. I grew up uh, in a spiritual tradition that did not practice Lent. Uh, and so it was something that I just had no idea what was going on uh, until I was older. And I, I met some friends who practiced Lent and was able to kind of ask them. So if you're curious, Lent actually just means spring. Like it actually doesn't have any super spiritual kind of meaning. It actually just means spring. And so there's a sense of a set apart time in the spring where we wonder if God can do something. And here at City Church, because it is connected, it's leading up to Easter, we're just thinking of it as it's the journey towards Easter. It's the sense of what might God want to do with you over the next 40 days? And that's actually 40 days, give or take, because it doesn't count Sundays. You know, a whole big liturgical calendar thing. We don't have to get into all the details. That worth it, right? But, but there's just like, hey, what? What might God want to do with you? And, and you don't actually even need the word Lent to go, oh, 
there's a couple months leading up to Easter. I wonder, I wonder what God might have for me in this season of spring, this season where we're starting to lean into newness and renewal. Um, I bet a lot of you have had some seasons in your life that you would look back and you'd say, that was a special season. That was a season where something was happening. Like, like kind of like, you know, the, the points during spring where there's some dirt and at first it's just dirt, but then you start seeing these little, little green things sticking out and there's just like, oh, something is going on under the surface. I wonder what's coming. I was thinking for myself about one of those seasons and it actually involved City Church uh, because I was not always here, just like each of you, right? Actually, just like City Church was not always here. Um, <laughs> but it was about eight years ago that I had been in a ministry position at another church and it suddenly ended. That's and the nice way of saying that. It suddenly <laughs> ended. Yes. Okay, There's sorry. perhaps a little sadness, some tears, some surprise, you know, it suddenly ended. And that city church was where I kind of just like limped in with my family to heal. And the thing was, though, I hadn't been particularly happy at my old church for a while. There had been some questions bubbling up inside me that I didn't feel like I, I fully had the space to explore while I was employed at this other church. And, and so it was this weird season of like, I'm really, really sad. And I want to let myself lean into that. And I want to grieve well. I'd been at this in this part of this community for 12 years. And I'm a military brat, which means I moved all the time growing up. I didn't have 12 years at a lot of spaces in my life. It was a big deal. So I want to grieve it. And yet I'm also sensing this season of new possibility, right? Of like, oh, wait, these people in this place are asking all the questions I've been wanting to ask. And, and there's this new, there's just freedom and, and, and just lack of uh, a feeling like I had to put on a show, right? And so I just remember how delightful this really painful season was. It's amazing how it can be both at the same time, right? Um, and I just remember that I thought of it very much as my season of no's. Some people like are like, ooh, lean into those yeses. But I was like, my life just got radically trimmed back by losing this job. Because when you're in ministry and you lose your job, you lose like a whole community, right? My life has just gotten radically trimmed back and I kind of want to keep it that way until I find the right yeses, right? Like, I want to keep saying no until there's just something that just grabs me and says, yes, that is exactly who I am and that's what God has for me has for me next. So that's kind of what I think about when I think about these sorts of seasons. There are these seasons of sometimes really painful no's that prepare us for some really amazing yeses. And that's what our story that we're going to look at today is about. It's a story about Jesus being out in the wilderness on purpose for 40 days. That 40 number is interesting, isn't it? We actually see it all over the Bible. And it's always these seasons of sort of waiting and expectation. And I could be wrong, but I find it a little amazing because all these biblical scholars are all like, isn't it oh, so interesting? I wonder why this number 40. And I'm like, you guys have never been pregnant, have you? How mysterious is this? It's a season of pregnancy. 
It's a season of gestation, of God forming something new in you. And Jesus went through it too. Up and until this particular story, we actually only know a few things about this person, Jesus. We know, you know, he had this sort of weird birth story, out of the normal, supernatural. We know he, his human father is a carpenter, so we have the sense that, you know, he's not growing up fancy, right? And there's this one time that we hear about him as like a preteen, and somehow he gets left behind in the temple, and when his parents race back a couple days later to find him, he's just like teaching and amazing everybody, so there's a little foreshadowing for what's to come. And then there's this really sweet moment where he goes out and he's baptized by his cousin. And a voice from heaven says, this, this is my child, my beloved. In him, I'm well pleased. That's kind of all we have about who this Jesus person is. And then he goes out into the, the desert, the wilderness, because he's going to have one of these times, one of these seasons of gestation, of God doing something new. What is he going to do with all this belovedness? What is God going to do with him? He's sort of, maybe it's a season of figuring it out. It's certainly a season of waiting. He's, he's going out into the situation where there are going to be a lot of no's. A lot is being stripped away. And he's honing in on the yes to come. He comes out with clarity. He comes out with a sense of purpose or mission. Some people might say a vision for what it means to live out of that belovedness that God has named him with. What if that was actually what a season like this was inviting you into, all of us into, a season of sitting with the knowledge that you're beloved and asking God to give you some clarity on what that might mean for your life. That's our hope, and so that's what we're gonna lean into. Our friend Hannah Sims is gonna come up and read scripture for us. Would you welcome her with me? And here at City Church, we love to uh, stand when scripture is being read. Uh, at home, you guys do what, you, what feels good. Thank you. Thank you, Brenna. I will be reading Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. 
Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. The word of the Lord. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thanks. Thanks, Hannah. What, uh, yeah, long passage, but uh, boy, I, but well read. So, so as we're we're going to just reflect on this passage for a moment here, and and think about what what Brenna kind of led us into, like our journeys. Where where do we connect? Um, I think for a lot of us, uh, we we don't slow down to stop and listen like what Jesus did. And I, there are some good reasons for that. Um, we've got a lot of things going on. There are a lot of distractions in our world as well. But I think sometimes we know intuitively um, if we stop and we get into whatever our wilderness is, that place where we can actually be alone and be quiet. And if we listen, we're not sure what we're going to hear. And we suspect that there's some other voices that are actually speaking very loudly that we might have to confront. And if we're honest, we're also aware if we stop to listen for God, God may not speak, at least not in the way that we want. And so there's plenty of reason not to slow down, right? And yet this is a season, a season of invitation to slow down, to face our fears about God not speaking, to face the other voices that constantly are playing in our heads. I just want to pause and I want to think about that first. We're not going to talk a lot about that today, but that first issue of like, what if I pray, but God doesn't respond? And I want to note in this passage, like, do you remember like when the angels showed up? Was it during the 40 days and the temptations? <laughs> no, it was after everything. Like, right when, when Jesus really needed it, where, where, where was it? And I just want to remind us that that's a normal part of the spiritual journey. When we pause, when we pray, often we are met with silence. Okay, so now, now we have that inspirational point. We kind of nailed that down. I, Feel good about that? Yeah, good. Just thought I'd share that with you. Uh, um, Inspiring. Yeah, I know. That's kind of, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to talk about reality. This is reality, people. This is your reality. It's mine. It's in the scripture. Let's, let's face it. So, um, but let's, let's think a little bit now about these different voices that, that come up. So Jesus is quiet, and the voice that seems to speak the loudest is the voice of Satan the voice of evil, the tempter. Um, you can articulate this for yourself in your own life uh, in whatever way you wish. 
I believe it's, it's very appropriate to think about the voices that play in our heads that are trying to um, tell us things that we know are not good for us. And yet they're so, um, boy, they're so enticing. Those voices. Sometimes it's the, the things that we've done in the past and those memories keep playing back over and over again. And sometimes it's just, oh, just distract yourself. Just dive into this thing and that will make you feel better. There, there's so many of these voices. I think back to the time, uh, I don't think it was during Lent. I didn't really know anything about Lent at, the, at this point, but I was in college. And I had joined a college group of like a Christian thing. And they talked about fasting and I decided I was going to fast because obviously it's a spiritual high. You connect with God and you sort of levitate and it's amazing, right? So I set aside I, I, a period, a 24 hour fast. And, uh, and I, there was a local monastery up in the hills of Massachusetts where I went to school. And so I went to this monastery for the afternoon to, to pray forever, like an hour, right? Um, and, and I went after I'd, I'd skipped breakfast, I had skipped lunch, and I went instead to this monastery to go and pray. And the strangest thing happened. So I, I hadn't eaten breakfast and I hadn't eaten lunch. And you know what happened to me? I was hungry. That was my predominant experience of fasting. It's like, I'm hungry. And when I get hungry, probably not like you, but like me, I get angry. And all the angry voices, I have a lot of angry voices in my head anyway. And so you skip a meal and they start screaming. Like these silly monks. Like, what are they doing here? They don't even have a, a easily accessible bathroom. Like, or, like and like, uh, yeah, I, all the things, like I'm critiquing this monastery and like my Christian group leader person and myself and my parents and God. There, there are these voices in my head that are so loud. And all I have to do to find them is, is be a little bit hungry and be a little bit quiet. And they start yelling. And that's what Jesus is facing here. He's facing the reality that when you get quiet, when you maybe deprive yourself of a little bit of the, the easy comforts you run to, man, you're gonna have to listen to some voices screaming. And it's actually kind of scary. Because what I've realized over, you know, I've fasted a little bit more since then, I've realized this is actually the, this is the gift, is to recognize the anger, the hunger, the greed, the lust, the, the control, the will to hoard, like it's all there. It's part of my human condition, and it's part of the spiritual journey, and, and that by being busy, I just have gotten to pretend like the voices aren't there when they've just been controlling from the background. So what I'm 
what I'd like for us to do is we're going to take a, a moment and, and look at a picture of Jesus uh, painted by this, uh, this artist, uh, Lisley Gwynn Garrity. And I think we can have that here on the screen. And this is a picture of, of Jesus in the desert. And these here on the right, uh, those words, those are the words of the, of the tempter, okay, floating there. And I want to just kind of read her reflection on this image. And then we're going to take kind of a, a minute or two, just in quiet. Uh, there's an old practice uh, called Visio Divina, where the idea is you, you look at an icon or a, it could even be something in nature, and you pause and you give yourself a minute to let it speak to you and ask, where's the Spirit of God actually What's standing out here? So, but let me share um, what the artist wrote about this. In this image, the words of the tempter hover in the background. The tempter's voice lingers like a ringing in Jesus's ears, saying, take charge, hoard your power, dominate, control. Somehow, Jesus has deciphered that these words are simply background noise. He closes his eyes and he goes inward, wrapping himself in a posture of self-embrace. From this introspective perspective, Jesus essentially says, get behind me, Satan. So here's Jesus. He's praying, and as one of the saints says, Henry Nouwen, says this is what prayer is. Prayer is listening to the voice that calls us my beloved. And just before this scene, Jesus is out in the River Jordan being baptized, and he hears God, his dad, his mom, speaking over him, saying, you're my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So just take a, a moment with this picture. And just sit in quiet and ask God, what, where am I with the voices in my head? What am I listening to? I love that we get to bring in a little bit more art over the next few weeks. We're drawing some creative inspiration during Lent from our friends at Sanctified Art, and so you're going to see a little bit more imagery uh, as we, we come together over the next few weeks. One of the things that's really interesting, because I think a lot of us have experienced this, one of the things that's really interesting in this passage is that the voice of the accuser 
of Satan, the voice of evil personified, the voice that counters belovedness in this passage, quotes scripture. Did you guys catch that? Have you ever experienced that? I got a, uh, an Instagram response from something I'd posted at City Church a few weeks ago, and this particular post, I guess, had been controversial, so I'd gotten a few. But uh, so this person came back to it, you know, it somehow popped up in their feed, um, this prayer that I'd prayed um, for the trans community, and they were so frustrated with me. I'm so tired of you people making it all about love. Stop making it all about love. And then, you know, had some other words that they thought I should bring in, like sin and judgment. And I wonder why we have to do the work we do here to recontextualize those words. And <sighs> she would have had some scripture on her side. She didn't pull it out right at that moment, right? But that could have been. I, I know it was in the back of her head. She had some scriptures that she wanted to whack me with. Stop making it all about love. And so did the voice of the accuser here. Had some scripture. The devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift up their hands, so you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You know, I, I think in that moment, I kind of had one of those too. I have to admit, I just kind of, I didn't want to inflame some sort of, you know, comment war. And so I, I don't know, I said something a little bit more like, hey, your comment isn't welcome here. Because it wasn't, that wasn't what that post was for uh, to the person. But then I, I reflected a little bit out loud, just like, Okay, I know what scriptures you have in your head, but this one is just silly. You know, don't make love the focus. Could we look at 1 Corinthians 13 together? You can have knowledge, you can do good deeds, you can do all this other stuff. And if you have not love, you've completely missed the point, right? How we read scripture matters. And I know some of you have been whacked over the head with it. I know you have. I'm sorry. I think I've probably, in my past, I mean, I know, I'm, I've whacked some people over the head with scripture. I'm so sorry. Some of us here too, you've led the Bible studies. You kind of didn't know better and yeah, kind of you did when you were doing it and some piece of you was going, oh. A hermeneutic, you're gonna hear this word in a minute. I'm gonna read a quote for you. A hermeneutic is, to admit that we all have different ways of reading scripture. We have lenses. Nobody comes to the text. People will claim they do. I just read the Bible. You come to the text with a lens. You come to it with a hermeneutic, a framework. And it's much more honest to just admit that. Let's be honest together. Reverend Lauren Wright Pittman says this about this particular passage. Beware of the ways that deeply rooted, harmful theology bubbles up in your life. In this case, for me, it surfaced as thoughts of shame, 
self-blame, self-distrust, self-depreciation, and self-hatred. And ask yourself, who will I listen to? I was giving power to a hermeneutic that wasn't even in line with who God has revealed God's self to be and the image of God that I bear. What you're seeing here in this quote is, well, one, you know you're listening to the voice of the accuser when it leads you into shame, self-blame, self-distrust, self-depreciation, self-hatred. God's voice doesn't do that to you. You may feel some guilt, like I feel when I think of how, yes, I too have whacked people over the head with scripture before. It's an appropriate guilt. I hurt people. And God can forgive me. Guilt is forgivable. Shame buries us. The voice of the accuser leads you into those places of shame, away from your essential belovedness, right? But the other thing that we, we saw in that quote is a sense of one of the hermeneutics that you can apply that will help you discern, am I reading this correctly or not? Does it line up with who God has shown us that God is? And at City Church, you know what we would say is, that's Jesus. That's why we describe ourselves as Jesus-centered, because the way that we, we hopefully that we're living, but also how we're reading the scripture is to say, if it doesn't fit with who Jesus showed himself to be, and Jesus is the one showing us who, who God is, then we might not be reading it right. Because sometimes, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, any of you have read the Bible, but sometimes it kind of contradicts itself a little bit, right? Or, or even just that, what? Oh, I know, I'm sorry. I just, I named it out loud. Sometimes there are things that make us go, hmm. And sometimes there are principles that are kind of like, we talk about grace and we talk about justice and they're in tension with each other. Like, it's almost like we can't turn our brains off when we read the Bible. It's amazing. Which one brings us closer to Jesus? For me, I always think, which smells more like Jesus? There's a certain aroma that Jesus has, right? It's not an aroma of shame. It's not an aroma of judgment. It's inviting. It's comforting. And yeah, sometimes it does make you uncomfortable. Don't shy away from that one either. Jesus does this all the time, all the time in the text. He says, you heard it this way. You've heard it before. And I tell you. Jesus himself says, I'm the one you listen to if you want to know how to understand it. Me. I'm that voice. One of the times that he does it is in Matthew 5. Uh, it's the Sermon on the Mount, one of his most famous sermons ever. And, and it starts from a context of belovedness. There they use the word blessed. But all these different people who are, who are blessed, and it's not because, as Bill was saying, it's not because they're hoarding power. It's not because they're in control. It's not because they have it all together. They're just blessed. They're just loved. They just are maybe even because they don't have it all together, because they're needy, because they're restless and unsatisfied and looking for something better. And so in this context, Jesus keeps saying, you've heard it said, but I tell you, and the push is always towards a more expansive picture of what it means to be with God, to live in love. It's not just a checklist 
It's not just, you know, hey, I look, I got it all right. There's always something more. It's this, this big, deep, wide picture, not of what you have to do, not of what you should do, but of all that you can do because you're beloved. And so that I think is the question, how do we, how could we live into that a bit more over the weeks ahead? Listen for the voices that call us blessed, call us beloved, and say no <laughs> to voices that say, stop making it all about love. You kill me. Um, so just a couple of practical things here to, to close. So on this journey towards Easter in service of this question of how do we listen well to, to the voices of life, not to the voices of death, um, just want to ask two questions. And these are kind of classic Christian questions. So on the journey, um, what, do you, what do you need for your journey to do this well? and what needs to be left behind. All right, and so we're gonna just talk just briefly about some habits that might be helpful. During this season, some oftentimes people pick up a habit, okay? And this is not some new law, you don't have to do this, and it's, you know, it doesn't make you all perfect or anything like that. It's, the idea is what will help you listen and listen to the voices that, that bring life. And so on the, on the side of things of what might I let go of, let me suggest a couple of things. Maybe setting aside a meal or some type of food, like sweets or alcohol. Not because they're bad. They're not bad, right? When, the, when Satan says, hey, you could make these rocks turn into loaves of bread. Jesus actually does that later. He multiplies bread for the feeding of the 5,000. It's not a bad thing to eat, right? Sweets and alcohol are not bad. Lunch is not bad. But to set aside something in order to, to have some more focus, to get more in touch with your humanity, to bring, maybe to bring some more balance to your life. So you can think about setting aside some food. You might think about setting aside an action, like sarcasm right i mean you self-criticism and you might want to think about an action you might put in its stead no you're gonna let brendan talk about that you might want to think about freeing up some time like you know instead of watching seven shows a week i'm gonna watch four right or i'm gonna put my phone down at 9 p.m or whatever it is for you. Let, let me tell you, I'm gonna tell you a couple of mine, just briefly. So I, by about three in the afternoon, I'm tired, I'm a little cranky, and I like to take a break. I like to jump on YouTube and like watch a movie trailer or a news clip or play a little game of online Dominion, my favorite game, um, and then go back and finish out the day. But what I've found, and none of those, those are all good things. Those are fine things, great. But what I found is it becomes a automatic. It becomes like, I need this. And as I've, I, I tried a couple of times before Lent, like, I wonder whether that would be a good thing for me to, so I tried setting that aside and I'm like, and I would sit there at my desk or I'd take a walk and I'd be cranky and angry and honestly feel a little lonely or a little burdened. 
and I realized I just want something to make that feeling go away. Let me just, let me just watch a quick movie trailer. And again, movie trailers are fine. And it's actually not even bad to comfort yourself with various things. But I think for me, this journey is a time, this, these next 40 days leading up to Easter, to set aside a little bit of space to feel those feelings some more. To think about maybe I need some relational connections, or maybe I need, like, what would prayer, what would it look like to experience God's belovedness more? And so that, for me, that's one of the things that I'm doing. Yeah, I love that. And I love how you are, you know, pointing towards, right, that we don't do it just because we want to take away, but because it does create more space. One, we might feel some of the feelings we've been pushing down, but we're also giving ourselves space to do something with them, right? To actually add something in that might be life-giving or to kind of go with the theme of our, our story today that would give us a chance to hear some different voices, to maybe even challenge some of those thoughts in our heads that we're, we're hearing. We hear that voice of shame, of loneliness. Okay, what, what might we do to hear differently? to allow God to speak in, in a different sort of way. So there are some really classic things that we can do, right? And, and there are ways that because, because they are classic, like as a church, we actually want to help. You know, so we, we do do like daily devotionals that get mailed out, emailed out every morning, because that can be a way of listening. And really it's together, this 200 people or so who are meditating around this same little little thought, little nugget each morning, continuing the conversation. That's one way, right? Just to, to start putting some different ideas into your head than you might have had before, giving yourself the opportunity to hear a voice that says, you're beloved. We have some groups, the same thing. Can you read scripture differently through a different filter? Can you find that asking your questions, that's not shameful. There are other people asking the same questions. You can ask questions with friends. Some classic ways, right, that we can listen differently. But there, there are other ways, too. Maybe there's a book, a topic, you know, something like, man, I've had this question for forever. I need to read that book or at least need to ask someone, what is the book? I, I saw someone in here who I think their, their goal was one page. They had a book, and so their Lent goal was to read, like, one page a day That's in awesome. their book. Uh, yeah, I just saw you wave. <laughs> it was Mary, yeah. And I just thought and it not was... Not that we're throwing you under the bus, <laughs> but it was Mary. She waved, you know, so I figured she was identifying herself. But that's so brilliant. Make a goal you can meet. Lowball it. Right? Don't commit to reading 20 pages a day when you've been reading zero. That's a good way to set yourself up to fail. Um, what is it for you? I don't know, right? We, there's some simple ones too, like, is it keeping a gratitude journal? That when you turn your phone off, you pick up your little notebook and you write three things. Um, in my family, we like to do toasts around the, uh, the dinner table, right? We just go around and everybody shares something happy from their day, something they're celebrating. And we all say, here, here. We used to clean glasses, but that was too much work. Um, how do you hear the voices? How do you allow yourself some time? to really connect with the, even just the idea, maybe even this morning you can't say, yes, I know I'm beloved. Would you allow yourself to think maybe you are? Maybe you haven't had the right voices talking to you? Maybe we can hear differently 
we'd love to help be those voices in your life. Our friend Lewis Thaxton, 